Good morning. Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. We're celebrating the homecoming of our non-resident congregation members this weekend, and we welcome those of you who consider yourselves family and who value spending intimate personal time with your pastor and with your Barah Ministries family. We're also celebrating Pastor Appreciation Weekend, a chance for you to bathe me in decadent gifts. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> My one set of applause for the year that aren't manufactured at the end of the lesson by my son, who happens to love me. <laughs> All right, so we're celebrating Pastor Appreciation Week and a chance for you to tell your pastor what you appreciate about him and what you value in the use of his spiritual gift. Oh, isn't that sweet? Today's Bible lesson, the Holy Spirit is a person, and the Holy Spirit is God. Amen? Amen? The Holy Spirit is a person, and the Holy Spirit is God. That's the first thing I had I came into my mind this morning at 2 a.m. when I got up to finish up this lesson, because the one thing that is true is people distort the Holy Spirit. And another thing that's true is when you're trying to write about the Holy Spirit and tell people about the Holy Spirit, there's so much to say that how do you really just take out the essence of it? Well, the essence of it is that the Holy Spirit is a person and the Holy Spirit is God. So at Barah Ministries, we worship a triune Godhead, the Trinity. The idea that there is one God who expresses his divinity in three separate and distinct persons. And while they are separate and distinct persons, they are all one in every single way. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are equals in every respect. They are equally infinite. They are equally eternal. And they are equally God. And even our Jewish brethren, through the Hebrew language of the Old Testament, declare this to be true in Genesis chapter 1, verse 36, which says this, Then God said, Let us... Make man in our image and according to our likeness as spirit beings. Who is us? Who is our? Us and our is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I've talked to Jewish unbelievers who understand Hebrew, and they know that that is plural. So us and our are plural in the Hebrew and there can be no other conclusion that, that this is a reference to the triune Godhead. Throughout this weekend, I want to introduce you to each member of the triune Godhead so that you will get the idea that they must each be worshipped equally. Last night, we met our planner, our provider, and our very present protector, God the Father. And in today's lesson, we meet God the Holy Spirit. We make, and, and make no mistake about it, the Holy Spirit is God too. And today we'll meet him so that we may worship him. So let's start with a song in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. The Apostle Paul reminds us, I, Paul, say, walk. Whenever you see that word walk in the New Testament, it means to have a lifestyle. I, Paul, say walk have a lifestyle by means of God the Holy Spirit. That means under the direction of God the Holy Spirit, 
and you will not, in fact, cannot carry out the desire of the flesh. When you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you are not listening to the flesh. Well, June Murphy talks about the Holy Spirit and the entire Godhead in her beautiful song, How Great You Are. How great you are. 
the sun I know that you lay down your life for me how great you are God the Holy Spirit you teach and enable me how great you are the Godhead how great you are in dwelling Trinity how great you are how great you are how great you You are. That was great, June. <laughs> Let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, thank you for giving us the chance to get to know you a little bit more last night. And thanks to you, we feel planned for and provided for and protected. Thank you also for introducing us today to your God, the Holy Spirit, the member of the triune Godhead that is in charge of shaping us into the people you want us to become. Help us to know him in the things that you have prepared for us to hear today. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Amen. Today's lesson, the Holy Spirit is a person and the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person and the Holy Spirit is God. Well, the 1985 Chicago Bears are considered to be the greatest football team of all time. I agree with this assessment and not simply because I'm from Chicago. The Bears defense gave up 190 98 points the whole season, which is an average of 12 points a game. In the playoffs, en route to a victory in Super Bowl XX, the Bears' defense didn't give up a single point. The defense was so dominant that a simple and true fact is often overlooked. The offense was pretty good, too. In 1985, the 1985 Chicago Bears' offense ranked second in the league. They were just as dominant as the defense, yet there is rarely a mention of their prowess. If you hear anything about that 1985 Chicago Bears team, you hear something about the smothering, intimidating, and downright frightening defense that is without peer in the history of the game. As a lifelong Bear fan, the offense has always been a source of great consternation and disappointment. We always knew that when the Bears played somebody, whether they won or lose, the defense was going to just beat the other team up. And the other team was going to remember that they played the Bears for the next four or five weeks. But the offense couldn't score enough points, and we would pretty much lose. But in 1985, the rare pleasure was to have an offense that could score just as well as the Chicago Bears defense could stop people. All in all, this team was a ferocious grizzly bear in every sense of that animal. If I mention Walter Payton or Mike Singletary or even Jim McMahon, and you're students of the history of the game, your ears will perk up and you'll easily remember and be glad to recall their contribution to the football team. But if I mention the name Jay Hilgenberg, perhaps the only person whose ears would perk up would be Deacon Denny Goodalls, because Jay is an alumnus of the University of Iowa, Denny's alma mater. Jay Hilgenberg was the center for the offensive line of that 1985 Chicago Bears team. He was the quarterback for an offensive line that completely dominated the league in rushing the football. 
1985 Bears had a relentless rushing attack that led the league in rushing attempts, rushing yards, and rushing touchdowns. This could not have been achieved without Jay Hilgenberg, but I'll bet you've never even heard his name. So it is with God the Holy Spirit. As we study the Bible, we hardly hear his name. Yet God the Holy Spirit is God. He is equal to God the Father and God the Son in every single respect. He is a person. He is not an energy force or an influence or an activity, which is what religion wants you to believe. Religion is Satan's strategy to make mankind indifferent or antagonistic to God. And so what he does is he distorts each member of the Godhead and the Holy Spirit is turned into this electricity form or an energy force or an influence or an activity that, you know, we, we have to be spirit-filled. We have to raise our arms. We have to praise the Lord. And all that nonsense that has nothing to do with just hearing, shutting your mouth, sitting down someplace and hearing the Word of God which is what will help you when you're out in the world and you face the real crises of the world. When you're facing a real crises, like somebody walking up to, an, to you at an ATM machine and putting a pistol to your head, yeah, I think raising your hands might help. But the Word of God will help even more. So, the Holy Spirit is equally infinite, equally eternal, equally eternal, and equally God. Yet we never really hear much about God the Holy Spirit. In fact, according to one pastor who wrote on the subject, there is no more maligned, no more misunderstood, no more misrepresented, no more insulted, no more dishonored, no more blasphemed member of the Trinity than God the Holy Spirit. And I agree completely. God the Holy Spirit is fully God. He has all of God's attributes. He participates in all of God's works. He speaks all of God's words, every single one. And he is in perfect harmony with God the Father and God the Son. He is as holy and as gracious and as powerful and as merciful and as sovereign and as loving as God the Father and God the Son. And he is to be worshipped as fully as God the Father and God the Son. Yet he is the Rodney Dangerfield of the Godhead. He don't get no respect, I'll tell you. One night before he was crucified, on the night before he was crucified, the Lord Jesus Christ spoke of God the Holy Spirit, words that would begin a handoff of sorts. God the Father had planned for the salvation of all mankind by sending his Son to shed blood and to die on a cross to become the Savior of the whole world. God the Son became flesh and tabernacled among us and accomplished the task of salvation prepared by God the Father. Then God the Holy Spirit was introduced to take over the task of our sanctification. John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. I, the Lord Jesus Christ, will ask God the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. John 14, 17. That helper is the spirit of truth. Many, uh, one of the many terms that he's referred to by the spirit of. And there are hundreds of them. I could write about him all day. 
He is that helper is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you believers in Christ know him because he abides with you. He's omnipresent. He's with you all the time. And he will be indwelling you. And that should be he keeps on indwelling you. God the Holy Spirit is like a good football referee who is doing his job well. He is a very real part of the game, and yet he is rarely appreciated or respected or noticed. John chapter 14, verses 25 and 26. These things I, the Lord Jesus Christ, have spoken to you while abiding with you. And Jesus is talking to his apostles in the upper room discourse here, the night before he is crucified. John 14, 26. But the Helper, God the Holy Spirit, whom God the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and he will bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. He is the perfect mentor. He is the perfect teacher. He is the perfect reminder. God the Holy Spirit does a brilliant job of reminding us when we forget about the truth of the Word of God. John chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from God the Father, that is, God the Holy Spirit of truth, who proceeds from God the Father, he will testify about me, the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 15, verse 27. And you will testify me about me too, you apostles, because you have been with me from the beginning. And that is the beginning of his ministry. God the Holy Spirit reminds us who the Lord Jesus Christ is and the significance of the Lord Jesus Christ's person and his work. John chapter 16, verses 5 to 15 say this. But now I, the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going home to God the Father who sent me. And none of you apostles ask me, where are you going? John 16, 6. But because I have said these things to you about leaving you, sorrow has filled your heart. John chapter 16, verse 7. But I, the Lord Jesus Christ, tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I do go away... I will send him to you. John 16, 8. And God the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That's God the Holy Spirit's ministry to the unbeliever, the convicting ministry of God the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that irritates me is when Christians say, I think God is convicting me. God the Holy Spirit convicts unbelievers. God the Holy Spirit is sanctifying you. And, and, and he is responsible for your sanctification. It's very different. John 16, 8, I'll read it again. God the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world. The world is Satan's world system. The devil's world. Concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. John 16, 9, concerning sin because the world doesn't believe in me. We were born physically alive and spiritually dead on the wrong side of a barrier and helpless and hopeless to do anything about it. We did not know about God. We did not have God in the world. 
that's concerning that sin, Adam's original sin, John 16, 10, and concerning Jesus' righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. Jesus was considered unrighteous because he was crucified, because crucifixion was the ultimate human punishment, and it was reserved for people who were under a curse, for the worst criminals in the history of mankind. And so everybody assumed that just because he was crucified that he was unrighteous and that he was a criminal. He was not. As one of the thieves so aptly said at the cross, this man did nothing wrong. We're being punished for our crimes, but this man did nothing wrong, and he did not. And so one of the things that God, the Holy Spirit, makes clear is that Jesus Christ is totally righteous, totally holy, did not commit a crime, is blameless, and sinless before the whole world. And what does Satan want us to believe? Exactly the opposite. Oh, Jesus, Jesus Christ hung out with prostitutes. You know he sinned. Mary Magdalene was gorgeous. You know he did her. You just know he did. And there are movies about it. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Because he's the one person who has integrity. He's the one person who can not sin. He's the one person who can actually follow the tenets of the Mosaic Law he wrote. And God the Holy Spirit is the one that teaches us about that. And John 16, 11, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is already judged. Satan has already been sentenced to the lake of fire. Human history is his appeal trial. And what he's going to try to do is find a loophole in the original trial that covers up one very simple fact, that he sinned, that he turned all the angels against the Lord, he was offered a reconciliation, and he was too arrogant to take it. And there is no way that he's going to trick an omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God. But he's so arrogant that he thinks he's going to win. He hasn't got a prayer of winning. He's already been judged. John 16, 12. I have many more things to say to you, apostles, but you can't bear them right now. Why? You're sad. You're pining and sighing about the fact that I'm going away. You're starting to feel a little bit lost. And I've just laid some heavy stuff on you about the helper that I'm going to send to you. John 16, 13. But when he, God the Holy Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He is the ultimate GPS system for our lives. He will guide you in all the truth. And he will not speak on his own initiative. He will not speak on his own initiative. What will he do? He will do what every great person who is serving a great leader does. Whatever he hears, he will speak. He is an exact duplication of God the Son. He is an exact duplication of God the Father. And his job is to reveal them and not to aggrandize himself. He will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will speak whatever he hears. John 16, 14. God the Holy Spirit will glorify me, the Lord Jesus Christ, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. John 16, 15. All things that God the Father has are mine. Sounds like the prodigal son and the, the father talking to the prodigal son. Son, all that I have is yours. All things that God the Father has are mine, therefore I said that God the Holy Spirit takes up mine and will disclose it to you. 
if the three members of the triune Godhead are huddling together to discuss something, God the Holy Spirit would be the one who has his arms around the other two. He is intensely listening to the play being called by the planner God the Father. He knows who is carrying the ball, God the Son, the Lord, in his physical manifestation as Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is the J. Hilgenberg of the Trinity. He is paving the way for the work of the other two. He is every bit a person and every bit as important as God the Father and God the Son. And I want you to know God the Holy Spirit. I want you to love Him. I want you to adore Him just as I do. When we return from our five-minute break, we'll learn a few things about how, how God the Holy Spirit operates. Take a five-minute break. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line. Will all the other not quite? Will all the never get it right? But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time. Cause I'm just a nobody.
Today's Bible lesson, the Holy Spirit is a person and the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person and the Holy Spirit is God. You enjoying learning about God, the Holy Spirit? Yes. Jay Hilgenberg, Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, I, I, you didn't know where I was going with that bear thing, did you? Why are we talking about football? We're not talking about football. We're talking about unsung heroes. So, God the Holy Spirit is called by many functional titles all over the Bible. He is the helper. John chapter 16, verse 7 says this, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I do go away, I will send him to you. Various translations interpret the Greek word parakletos as helper. They interpret it as counselor. They interpret it as comforter. They interpret it as anything but what it really is. This word is a powerful term, not a sentimental, cuddly, snuggly term. When translated to English, it is the word paraclete. What is a paraclete? A paraclete is someone who brings power to the assistance of another. What is the power that God the Holy Spirit brings to your life? He brings enabling, divine, omnipotent power to your problems every single moment of your life. A lawyer is a paraclete. When you have a legal issue and no lock background, you are helpless and hopeless you are in danger of being taken advantage of. When a lawyer is acting as a paraclete, he informs you concerning your rights, he educates you on the best way to defend yourself, and the best of them teach you exactly how to get out of the situation that you're in. Then he speaks on your behalf, bringing a powerful offense or a powerful defense, depending on whether you are the plaintiff or the defendant, depending on the need of the moment, so that you are fully planned for, fully provided for, fully protected. Hmm, that sounds very similar to God the Father's work, doesn't it? Yes, the Holy Spirit is a planner, a provider, and a protector as well. Every bit is equal to God the Father. Now, maybe God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are on the same page. You think? I think so, but religion doesn't think so. The Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints, the Mormon Church, says God the Father is powerful, more powerful than the Son, and the Holy Spirit is some energy force. No. False. That's a lie. That is not the truth. There is one God with three separate and distinct persons, and they are co-equal, co-infinite, and co-eternal. They have exactly the same essence, and they are exactly on the same page, and they are exactly as powerful as each other. God the Holy Spirit is described as the spirit of truth. You've heard that said a couple of times in the passages that I read before the break. He's also described as the spirit of life. John chapter 6, verse 63 says this, It is the spirit, God the Holy Spirit, who gives the resurrection life. That's what's meant by being the spirit of life. He is the spirit of eternal life. That magnificent resurrection life that you got at the moment of salvation. 
When we think of eternal, we think somewhere in the future. Your resurrection life happened at the moment of salvation. It is now, it is working, it is alive, and it is empowered by God the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit who gives the resurrection life. Zoe. When you come over to my house today, above the movie theater, you'll see the word Zoe. That's exactly what it means. The life, the resurrection life. That is the Greek word, Zoe. You have the Zoe life. The flesh, that demon in our body, profits nothing. The words that I've spoken to you through God the Holy Spirit are spirit and our life. And that's what he does. He imbues us with a certain quality. That's the description of the Holy Spirit. He imbues us with a certain quality. That'll send you scrambling to your dictionary, but you're lucky. You probably have a smartphone and there's a dictionary right on it. You can look it up. I-M-B-U-E-S. He imbues us with a certain quality. Jesus Christ is responsible for our salvation. Jesus Christ is the one who takes us from unbeliever to believer in Christ through the cross. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believes. He who believes in the Son has the Zoe life right at that moment. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the Zoe life. But the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. So Jesus Christ is responsible for our salvation. The move we make is we convert from unbeliever to believer by accepting the Christian way of life. God the Holy Spirit is responsible for sanctification. Sanctification happens. He is the chief divinity officer of the Christian way of living. You go from getting the Christian way of life to having the Christian way of living. And he is the chief divinity officer of that. And he is the one who takes all of you who have been set apart for privilege, the privilege of being conformed to the image of God the Son. And that's what sanctification is. He takes you and he makes sure that that occurs in spite of you. Amen? Because you don't want to go. I got my salvation. I got my pride. That's not enough. And God the Holy Spirit is not going to fail you are not going to not be conformed to the image of, of the Son on His watch. So, the way of living, the Christian way of living, is commonly referred to as our walk. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Therefore I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, this is his prison, one of his prison letters, he wrote from a, a prison in Rome, Therefore I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, not the prisoner of the Romans. Implore you believers. I am in fact begging you, believers in union with Christ, to walk in the Christian way of living, in an amazing lifestyle that's been gifted to you, in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Before you were even born, God the Father called you to the privilege of salvation through believing in His Son. That's the calling to which you have been called. And God the Holy Spirit wants you to walk in that calling in a manner worthy of the calling you've been given. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says this, I, Paul, say, walk 
by means of the guidance of God the Holy Spirit, and you will not, in fact cannot, carry out the desires of the flesh. God the Holy Spirit indwells us. He lives in, inside of us in harmony with the rest of the indwelling Trinity. God the Holy Spirit leads us. He ushers us down the narrow road that leads to the resurrection life. God the Holy Spirit teaches us, just as Jesus Christ promised in the John 14, 15, 16 passages. All that we know about God has been revealed from within by God the Holy Spirit. I don't believe you had me, so let me repeat that. All that we know about God has been revealed from within by God the Holy Spirit. In other words, you wouldn't know jack about God if it wasn't for the revelation of God the Holy Spirit. He is always willing to answer your questions. He is the perfect teacher. He is the perfect mentor. He is the perfect one to go to when you need anything related to the Christian way of living. He is a person who listens to the instructions and the teaching of the other two members of the Godhead and not speaking from his own initiative, he reveals to us what has been heard. God the Holy Spirit purifies us. What, is, what, it, what it means to be sanctified is to be set apart for a series of privileges that if you could fully comprehend and hold them in your consciousness simultaneously, literally, it would blow your mind. That's what literally means. It would genuinely blow your mind. The truth of our privileges would stagger your imagination. God the Holy Spirit removes the impurities from us bit by bit by renewing our minds with the Word of God so that we are conformed to the image of God the Son. And without God the Holy Spirit, we could never understand anything about the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask the unbeliever. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says this, But a natural man, the sukikos man, does not accept the things of the Holy Spirit of God. See, the Holy Spirit's teaching the unbeliever, the natural man, but the natural man's rejecting it. For their foolishness to him, some carpenter dies on a cross and allegedly is raised from the dead on the, three days, uh, the third day. That's a fairy tale. That's silly. There's no such thing as God. It's just for all you weak people who need a crutch, not like strong people like me. Okay, let's see how that story plays when you're down on the lake of fire, standing up to your chest in manure, sipping coffee, and Satan comes in and says, coffee breaks over back on your head. Amen? Let's see how that plays out. Let's see how strong you are then. Without God, the Holy Spirit, we know nothing about God. 1 Corinthians 2.14, a natural man does not accept the things of the Holy Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. And he can't even understand them because they're spiritually appraised through the enabling power and the convicting ministry of God, the Holy Spirit. The human race, even believers in Christ, are often spiritually asleep. God the Holy Spirit is the one who wakes us up. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 11 to 21 say this, Do not participate 
in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, you believers in Christ, but instead expose them. Ephesians 5.12 For it is disgraceful even to speak of some of the things which are done by them in secret. Ephesians 5.13 But all things become visible when they're exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. Ephesians 5.14 For this reason, Scripture says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from among the dead ones, and Christ will shine on you. Ephesians 5.15 Therefore, believers in Christ, be careful how you walk in lifestyle, not as unwise men, but as wise men. Ephesians 5.16, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Ephesians 5.17, so then don't be foolish. Instead, understand what the will of the Lord is. Ephesians 5.18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but keep on being filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? You have a choice. Get drunk with wine or be filled with the Spirit. What do most human beings... What do most human beings... <laughs> the tongue wasn't working real good. There. It was going a little too fast. I'm excited about God, the Holy Spirit. Can you feel it? I feel it. Do not get drunk with wine or be filled with the Spirit. What does a human being prefer to choose? Being drunk with wine or being filled with the Spirit? Wine. Wine. Exactly. Exactly. Especially here in Barah Ministries. We got more winos per capita in Barah Ministries than any place you've ever been. And let me tell you, it's not good wine. You know, it's $2.99 wine from Whole Foods. You know what I mean? Cheapskates, Trader Joe's. Yeah. You know, the stuff you drink one, one sip of it and it blows your ankles up like, uh, like a balloon. Amen? Amen? Thank you, winos. Thank you. After the service, by the way, we're going to have an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, so just get your practice in. Hi, I'm Denny, and I'm an alcoholic. Somebody, I had to pick a name, Denny. Let's pick it more. All right, so Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but keep on being filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? And it's a capital S, winos. Right, it's not small s, spirit. It means to let your very person reflect the character and nature of the Lord Jesus Christ through the enabling power of God the Holy Spirit so the world sees the Lord as you do. I have people say this stuff to me all the time. You know, your teaching is just different. There's something about you. You're special. People have been saying that to me the whole, my whole life. And in my mind, I'm saying, you are insane. If you really knew me, you would never say anything like that. You're crazy. But what is it? Why were they saying it? Because they were seeing the filling of the Spirit manifesting itself in a believer in Christ. When you, the way you talk to unbelievers, they know it's different. It, 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 it bothers them and offends them. I'm offended. But that's the filling of the Spirit. God the Holy Spirit working in you because you're imbued with a quality 
that everybody sees. Ephesians 5.19, and when you are filled with the Spirit, you will be speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. I, I had to get up after I read that verse. I had to get up and I said, damn it, the one thing that I did not want to happen. I did not want to be like June Murphy. <laughs> I did not want to be ar- walking around singing songs in my head all day, burping, and not want that. But when you are filled with the Spirit, that's exactly what happens. You know, I've told you before, June songs are like an infection, right? Well, you get one of those songs in your ears, and what does the Holy Spirit does with it? Imbues you you with a quality that's going to last all day. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, that's exactly what happens when you're filled with the Spirit. I look at the words to June's songs and, and, and realize how long ago she wrote these songs, and I, I, I'm in awe, just in shock at how amazingly doctrinally accurate they are. It's shocking. Shocking. And to think we're going to get to hear those for all eternity. And when she gets to heaven, she'll actually be able to sing because she'll be imbued with a certain eternal quality that will make these songs resonate in our hearts for all time. Ephesians 5.20 Always giving thanks for all the things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to the God who is our Father. And Ephesians 5.21 And be subject to one another in the respect of Christ. It is God the Holy Spirit who ensures that we give the other two members of the Godhead the respect each deserves. It is my fervent wish that you give God the Holy Spirit the worship and the respect he deserves as well. There are many more things to say about God the Holy Spirit, but I hope you got the major point. He is a person and he is God. All right, we close in song in 2 Peter Chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, the Apostle Peter says this, Know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is ever a matter of one's own private interpretation, and no prophecy of Scripture was ever made by an act of human will. But men carried along by God the Holy Spirit wrote from the exact thinking of the God and spoke from the exact thinking of the God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, one of the things about getting together with a group of like-minded people who are believers in Christ is a chance to hear the Word of God. Because as June Murphy sings, O God, your Word takes me, filling us up to all the fullness of God.
Your word takes me, your word makes me, 
of praise to our God. Stop worrying about anything. Instead, in everything, by prayer and petition with an attitude of thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God the Father. And the peace of God the Father, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds, flooding your souls with peace, you who are in union with Christ Jesus. Jude one twenty four. Now to Jesus Christ, the one who was able to keep you from stumbling, and the one who was able to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, thank you for letting us get to know you. Thank you for letting us get to know God, the Holy Spirit. And thank you for the magnificent gift that your person and your Godship both bring to us. And thank you, of course, for your amazing son who we'll learn about tomorrow in our Lord's Supper celebration, who has died for us on a cross, shed his blood, and made it possible for us to be saved once and for all time. Let us have the courage to always bring you and the Spirit and the Son and his physical manifestation manifestation Jesus Christ to our lips in a lost and dying world to provide a light for this dark place. We ask this through the, power, to, through the power of God the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. 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 Thanks for coming, thanks for watching, and thanks for listening. <laughs>